Trevor, and welcome to your Boo Crew Podcast, episode 381. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us and making this possible. Hope you and yours are healthy and happy. And if you aren't having a good day, for whatever reason, we are here to try to help you turn that around. You are a horror fan, and that instantly makes you an incredible creative force. And this is your safe space to feel empowered and included. And we are your friends. Apple Podcasts is where you can reach out to us to say hey and write us a quick review. We have some guest list episode tapings scheduled very soon where we'll be reading yours at the top of an upcoming show. If you haven't done so yet, we'd absolutely love to hear from you on there. At time of release, Friday, April 28th, is when Thomas Marchese's stunning film, From Black, arrives exclusively on Shudder and AMC+. Experience this stunning film through the eyes of its extraordinary star, Anna Camp who joins you for this excursion over the podcast ether. First off, Anna is one of the most kind, compassionate, and talented people we've ever met. I affectionately refer to this interview as the Boohoo Crew because of how emotional, at least I got throughout our conversation, unsuccessfully holding back tears at a few points just by being moved by her journey through this meditation on grief and trauma by way of ceremonial magic and the supernatural. I couldn't see Leo over the top of the monitors here, but I'm only assuming he was tearing up as well. I don't want to call him out, though. We cover everything on this one, from the gorgeous cinematography and striking visuals to achieving powerful performances that are absolutely unforgettable. Unfortunately, Lauren had to miss out on this one, and she was so bummed out because Anna's amazing. So it's me and Leo steering the ship and crashing into everything along the way like the clumsy dudes we are. We're moving aside here for episode 381. Let's get to it. And our favorite new friend and yours. Get to know Anna Camp for the film From Black, now slaying. Hey, this is Anna Camp, and way to go. You just summoned the Boo Crew. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is an enormously talented actor whose inspired choices and ability to craft unforgettable moments continues to have a tremendous impact not only in cinema, but in popular culture the world over. Cutting her teeth on the stages of Broadway in New York, her early work earned her a role opposite Daniel Radcliffe and Peter Schaefer's Tony Award-winning play Equus that made global headlines. She began appearing in the most successful, inventive, and influential TV projects in history, including The Office, Glee, Mad Men, True Blood, How I Met Your Mother, Key and Peele, the Good Wife, over 50 Emmys shared amongst them all. On the big screen, she starred in dozens of films such as Oscar winner The Help and as Aubrey in the beloved Pitch Perfect franchise. Her fearlessness and impeccably hilarious timing were instrumental in making it the highest grossing musical comedy series of all time. Her career is thrilling to follow, whether it be bringing animation to life from Vampirina and Puppy Dog Pals to memorable performances and recent favorites, The Lovebirds, Greg Nicotero's Creepshow and Unexpected. Above all else, it's this remarkable 
connection that she's able to forge with the audience through wonderfully constructed characters, a magical fusion of nuance and heart that is able to bask you in the illusion of story. That magic takes a dark turn on April 28th when her latest, a truly unsettling and tragic journey into terror is unleashed, available exclusively on Shudder and AMC+. It is called From Black. We are deeply honored to welcome Anna Camp. Yeah! yeah. Thank you, guys. It's yes. such a pleasure to be here, and I'm blushing because that was one of the nicest ways oh I've ever God. been introduced ever, so thank you. <laughs> You're kidding me. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us and uh, for taking us along on this harrowing journey journey from black so how does it feel on the cusp of kind of getting this out into the world to live its life in the minds of an audience oh my gosh i'm beyond excited we shot the movie in natchez mississippi a year ago so it was a little over a year ago that we shot the film um and it's definitely one of my favorite things that i've ever done to date i get to really you know, go places in my acting that I don't know if I've ever really gotten the opportunities to do. So I was very passionate about like getting this role, bringing my entire heart, my entire soul to playing Cora. And I'm just thrilled that people are going to get to see this movie and experience um, something I, I think is actually truly beautiful and as well as terrifying and haunting. But it is a very actually stunning story about grief. Yeah, it really yes. is. And we'll, we'll cover all that in a little bit. But I wanted to also touch based on the fact that I'm curious if you've had the opportunity to experience this film with a large group of people yet at all. I have. Actually, we just had our very first world premiere at the Phoenix Film Festival. It was a one night only event and uh, every seat was filled. Oh, that's so So it was absolutely incredible to see it on the big screen. And then we had a talk back afterwards. And I'm sure you guys have been to talk backs before where audience members, you know, they get up and leave as the credits are going. They don't want to sit. The entire audience stayed for a 45 minute talk back and asked some of the most incredible questions. And there were people that were crying, coming up to me, wow. saying that they've lost loved ones and how this movie affected them. Yes. So it was, um, obviously, sitting in a theater is is one of my favorite things to do to have a collective experience. Yes. Um, so it was it was really thrilling to, to get to be able to see from Black there. Now that you're going to be doing all this press and, you know, you talked about speaking at the premiere... And getting the chance to step back from this film a little bit, right? And further explore it through the eyes of an audience who are very much at the mercy of its mystique. They've, they're going into this completely blind. What are the byproducts of that process as a creator? Like some of the gifts of hearing your work reflected back to you and uh, the meditation of that that is required on your part to answer these questions about the film and to put yourself back into that character a little bit. Are there any creative gifts that you get from that? Um, 100%. There's so many. I mean, I come from the theater world, as you mentioned before. So I'm, I'm more used to getting immediate feedback from an audience, right? You can hear people laughing, you can hear them crying, you get a standing ovation or not (laughs) at the end of a show every night. So when you're on set and you're shooting a film or a TV show, you don't really get that immediate response. And you just have to trust in your work and trust that you're telling the story and trust in the director and also trust in the editing process. Um, So it's really exciting to see people responding in the way that you could only have hoped that they would. Because on the day, I can't think about how someone is going to feel. I just have to be very present in the moment 
um, acting with my scene partners and giving everything and just hope hoping that it works right so it's a really validating um confidence building moment when a person can come up to you with tears in their eyes and say this really moved me this really affected me because i think that's why i want to be an actor Mm -hmm. is to be able to tell stories that people can relate to so it's probably the most rewarding thing that i can think of is when someone responds in that way it's it's wonderful what do you think it is about horror that makes it such a potent art form in storytelling um i think that horror is is a full body experience which is something that i don't think you really get totally from comedy or drama i mean you can get obviously that but being scared right like it touches a place in your soul and in your mind and your imagination that surprises even you, I think. And that is, is very overwhelming and can crack open a person who perhaps could have walls up or go, I don't want to enjoy this. I'm not getting into this. But when you get scared, you become vulnerable Mm -hmm. um, as a audience member. And I think that that's, why people love it so much because it's like getting on a roller coaster ride you lose control a little bit when you're scared right and that's like a that's sometimes why people become horror addicts is because they want to feel that yeah, feeling the they want to yeah. get that adre- adrenaline <laughs> yeah. up and they want to lose control while they're watching something um and i think that's why horror can be so effective emotionally and i think that sometimes it gets this sort of bad rap sometimes from the industry that i'm in people kind of put it in a box and they can say oh that's horror i know what that is i know that there's like a spooky man following you around and i'm like no like give into it allow yourself to feel things that perhaps you're scared to feel because it's it's sort of a combination of all of those things and i really hope that our movie accomplishes accomplishes that um when you watch it so oh, certainly certainly does yeah. we talk about that all the time it's, yeah it's it's it's, a, it's escapism mm-hmm. it's like you give us an hour and a half two hours of a world building experience where you know we can be terrified you know mesmerized in just whatever the subgenre of that particular horror film is and when it's over we go back to our lives that value factor that you can get, whether in a theater with the perfect speaker experience and all that, you know, which is the ideal way to see these movies. Yes. You know, <laughs> it's like you can't beat that because you're, you're going to be scared, frightened, you know, walk away and be like, back to life. But that was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. What role did horror play in your formative years? Is there any, any first experiences that you had that you still remember to this day? I was randomly thinking about that on the drive over here. I don't know why. I was thinking about the horror movies that affected me because I've been getting questions, like sure. asked that a lot. Yeah. So I saw the movie Poltergeist when I was way yes. too young. Way too young. So my sister is seven years older than me. Um, and she was a big movie, you know, aficionado. We watched Poltergeist inside of my house and I was almost the same age as Carol Ann. I would oh, say wow. I was maybe a, maybe a year older than Carol Ann. Wow. And it stayed with me for till to, to this day. I mean, I was terrified of the television. I was terrified to go in my room by myself. You know, I was like, there, there's that scene where the guy's like faces like melting yeah. off and, 
you know, the clowns. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And (laughs) like, and the go into the light and Mm -hmm. all of the stuff. And it became like, that can happen to me. I'm that little girl. You know, I had blonde hair like that age and I was just very, very affected by it. I, I actually recently watched it again. I would say maybe a few years ago just to like, have some closure or yeah, something sure. to Poltergeist, sure, right? Yeah, see, but still kind of stood yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know what? It was more funny because some of the effects, right, at the end when, like, yeah. the monster is coming through, I was like, oh, God, I was so terrified of that. Uh, and yes. now being an actor in movies, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, like, that doesn't quite hold up. But there is that whole mystique about, about because some of the actors passed away in yes. that movie, and it really stayed with me, and I'm, like, getting chills talking about it still. <laughs> so, yeah. Or the bones, right? The bones. Oh yeah, that's right. Didn't they use like real skeletons or something? Yeah, is that the whole story? Pool. Oh, they did. Oh, 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 and that's in Poltergeist. Was that in Poltergeist that one? Place? It was. Yes. yes, it was. And they're coming out of the. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> so scary. Before we get into From Black, I really wanted to mention this because it was so fun seeing you in the Creep Show holiday special yes. back in 2020, <laughs> and you got to play like a weird cheetah. <laughs> yeah. Did you get to wear that? Was that you under the makeup and everything too? You got to wear that oh, thing. Wow. I did. I did. I had to. It was incredible. I got to fly to um, Atlanta and they got to, uh, I had to get my teeth made. You know, I was always really jealous because I was on True Blood and I never got to play a vampire. So everybody oh. was getting casts made of their teeth and I was like, I want to do that. And then finally I got this offer to come play on Creep Show and play a wear cheetah. And I was like, <laughs> how can I say no right. to this? And, and I get to like also like kill a bunch of Santa Clauses. I was like, I don't know what is the going on. The most surreal but plot, but it's so amazing. It's insane. And, and I just said, well, I have to do that because when am I ever going to get a chance to do that again? So that was a really fun ride. Mm. All right. Well, from black, let's get into it. Uh, There's a lot to discuss on it. So it begins with this beautiful script about a recovering drug addict who has experienced the very tragic loss of her son and is presented with a terrifying method of possibly bringing him back. So tell us about getting the chance to work with that, that intense of an emotional palette as an actor and what the homework was like to put yourself there. I great question. I read this script. My producing friend Kelly kept calling me and asking me what I thought of other actresses. Like, what do you think of this girl? And I was like, uh, she's fine. Like, what do you? And then she's like, what do you think of this girl? And I was like, yeah, she's wait, what's going on? Are you making a movie? Like, what's happening? And she said, Well, I'm just looking for someone, you know, who can it's a really small indie, like not a lot of money, Anna. So that's why we weren't thinking of you. And I just send me the damn script. Send it to me now. So I read it and I read it, I think, in like an hour. And it usually takes me a couple days to read scripts because they're usually really, really bad. And I like have to put them down. I read it really fast. And I just called her up immediately and I said, what do I have to do to play this part? I've got to play this part. It's been, I've been like typecast a lot in Hollywood and there's, there's just a part of me and my creativity that needs to come out. And I think that this is the role that I'm going to be able to get to showcase that and experience that. So she was like, oh, well, we'll just zoom with the director and we'll, cause he's excited about you. Got the role. Um, and I'm not an actor that uses like substitution. Like Mm -hmm. I know a lot of actors who are like, I'm going to think about like the time my dog died or I'm going to think about this. I don't, I don't really do that. So the the scene that was probably one of the hardest ones was the group therapy. I was going to ask about that with that big monologue. It's a big monologue and it's one single shot. And I knew I had to get 
the entire speech right in one take because they do cut away to John Ailes, who plays Abel, like once, but it's mainly they wanted it to be in one full shot. Yeah. So I was really fortunate enough to have worked with Trey, the young actor playing my son, Noah, mm-hmm. yeah. for about a week before we shot that scene. Um, and so I just kind of like hung out with him a lot and sort of found things that I really loved about him. Sure. Like his big blue eyes, you know, the way he would like talk to me and like hold my hand as we would walk around set and developed a real bond with him. And then before shooting that scene, I just was like, what if he, what if Trey wasn't here anymore? Like, what if he was gone and no one could ever see him again and his mother could never see him and I could never see him again and my heart began to like break. And I I listened to music um, a lot for my roles. So I found a piece of piano music that I would listen to in my headphones, like right before shooting. Um, and I just, those two things combined. And then they say like action and I can feel my heart start to go fast. Um, but in like a really cool way, it's like I can feel myself kind of turning into Cora. Yeah. Um, so... That's kind of how I approached that role. And and also every single day, the director, Thomas Marchese, would be like, this is the worst day of your life. Now, this is the worst day of your life. Now, this is the worst moment of your life. You know what I mean? Now, go. And you just had to live in this world of just tragedy and and grief and desire to, like, see the person that you may that you were told you could never see again. Like, if you could have that opportunity, wouldn't you say yes? Yeah. And so that's where I put myself in that place every day of like, how am I going to do that? The person I love the most in the world, I want to see him again. How do I get him back? Not only that, but you really had to juggle the darkness of your previous drug past, you know, drug mm-hmm. usage. And that was just, I mean, it's difficult to watch at times when, when, you know, when you're with your ex and stuff. And, mm. and then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm past it. I'm past it now. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. trying to move on there. And it's like, ugh, it's just. Darkness from the past, then you have the darkness of the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much, you know, so many so layers much. to this yeah. character. Mm-hmm. What I think is really cool, this is a, more of a comment than anything, is you have this just astonishing ability to fade into every single character you play, like to the point where I didn't recognize you yeah. when they presented th- this film to us and I watched the trailer. I, had, I honestly I had no clue that you were <laughs> this is a character from pitch perfect that we all have. I had no idea that that was you that's the biggest compliment I could have received really because I, that that's what you want I right. think as an actor you don't want to see the actress you want to see the person yeah what do you think that magic is oh man I I mean I've been acting since I was in second grade yeah you know and I try not to really overthink things I try to just live it and live in the moment and I mean I went to school for it so it's all about like body like also body stuff like how how does she walk how does she sit how does she talk yeah like what does she do with her hand you know um and like things just sort of kind of click in if I sit a certain way like like Aubrey doesn't sit like Cora right like Aubrey sits straight up and she's like this and that's but like Cora is like trying to disappear and like when we were having our costume meetings I would be like she wants to cover up she wants to hide she wants to be become invisible she's like she hates herself she's full of self-loathing like when you think about those things it just really informs you know who you are as the the character when you're on set 
when you're working with some, I mean, the, the guy who plays Abel, John Ailes. Yes, John Incredible. Ailes. Incredible. I All love right? him. So when you're in a scene with him and he's giving you that wild energy that he's doing, what does it do to your preparation and homework, all that stuff that you're talking about and being, being, becoming Cora in the moment, do you let yourself, do you give yourself into the surprises and just the energy of that scene in particular on that day? Does it clash with your homework in any way? Or do you love that opportunity to just forget and just live in that moment? Oh my gosh. I, I can't wait to forget all of the homework. That's the exciting part. Right. It's like you go and you build it up like the night or the weeks before. And then you go in and you're like, oh, I'm going to be acting with an actor who where I, I can forget all of it. And I can just talk and listen to him mm. and receive what he's giving me. And there's a scene, you know, when we're out in the field and it's part of the ritual yes. and he's... um you know, making me eat the food yeah, and he's everything. Flipping he's flipping out. <laughs> and like, he's a really exciting actor. Um, I love how he doesn't like plan things. Like when he, in the trailer, you can see when he like clears the table off. Yeah. That wasn't planned. Like that was supposed to be like in the next like six or seven shots or something like that. Um, and so when he clears the table and I jump, like I was actually terrified yeah, because my I had God. no idea that the table was going to be clear to watch. Yeah. So there, there, there comes this time where you're like this fine line between like acting and just literally living in the moment. Right. But that's like the whole point of how, why I want to be an actor yeah. is to be able to like transverse those two worlds, like and walk that line. And he's somebody that you can walk that line with because he's so present and he's so exciting and every take is different, but it's also so easy because you don't even have to act. You just have to listen to him and be the person that you've built and let it all go. Yeah. And magic happens. Oh, I love that. Were there, were there many more scenes like that? Like during the, uh, the, the seance, I'm sorry, the, Ritual scenes. There's a that, scene that where magic happened because both of you were just improvising. I mean, there's a scene where I'm terrified um, during one of the ritual scenes, like before, like the circle and like he turns into like when he gets taken oh, yeah. over and yeah. becomes like kind of possessed. But there's a scene where he was um, crawling towards me. Yeah. Um, and he started like throwing things. I forget, like maybe the, the bones and the things that had come out of his mouth. Oh, he right, was like right. tossing at me, you know, and I'm like literally dodging these things. And, you know, you can see in the movie, my pupils are getting like huge, yeah. like when when you have someone doing that and crawling towards you like that and like not you're not knowing if what they're going to throw at you and then the lighting is just right and like you're in this really old house in Mississippi and you're like you're I was terrified <laughs> I was like <laughs> literally terrified <laughs> so it was great I'm assuming the uh the little surprise that you get at one point that was planned yeah that, that was planned okay that was okay planned. Yeah. yes yes we had to work on that and make sure that that was right but they like yeah. practiced on me like outside and all of that really? like just to make sure but i was like bring it like i'm not someone who like cares what i look like when i'm on camera sure. i was like i want to be like i want to look as rough as i possibly can like bring it honey like let's go let's do it how so. do you manage to to create the illusion of surprise is they say like well do, we're gonna do it on three but they do it on two or something they, it's like you never again you never know like how much is gonna come out yeah, if that yeah, makes yeah, any yeah, sense yeah, so yeah. like no matter what and it's freezing cold so you don't really know and then you're just like oh god yeah um so yeah it's, even though i knew it was coming i was always really surprised always and people are listening to this like what yeah. the hell are they talking about i know <laughs> they're like what the hell is anna getting into it's called from black it's on amc plus it's not on another network so it's all good hi mom hi dad 
By the way, what was that stuff? Was it something oh. candy, candy-ish? I think it was um, like caro syrup. Like, you know that stuff that they mm-hmm. mix in with like food coloring? Oh, yeah. We had um, a special effects um, guy who had worked on The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. So he was incredible. And, and um, yeah. And like, yeah, whatever that was, it was just, it was still gross and sticky. And I like, <laughs> never mind. I can't keep talking about this. <laughs> right. <It's>, uh, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Of, it's not something about Mary. I'll right, say that exactly. Much. Exactly. The Boo Crew will be right back. 17 years ago, an extraordinary motion picture shocked our senses. Its story of a young girl possessed by Satan was the greatest terror of the decade. On August 17th, the creator of the original Exorcist will bring you fear beyond your darkest nightmares. William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. This time you're going to lose. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. about Thomas Marchese because he's he's a guy who's come from uh, music videos documentary backgrounds what was it about him that excited you about working with him and that let you give your trust in that like made you excited to trust in him Another great question. So um, Thomas Marchese had directed a movie called Fallen. It was yeah. a documentary um, about the police force. Um, and he was actually an ex-cop. So he had actually been in an accident. He had been stabbed. And so he couldn't be on the police force anymore. And he got into filmmaking. He also is an incredible digital artist. He makes like really dark, cool fantasy art. Um, I don't know if you guys know that, but you can follow him on Instagram. It's incredible stuff. Um, I knew that he was passionate and knew what he was doing when we had our first Zoom meeting because I said, hey, a, like, how are you guys going to do this seeker? You know, how is this all going to work? And he had it all mapped out. They, they, he had it storyboarded. Um, he, I did. I did. Ha- I have to like get well he did have to earn my trust a little bit right yeah. like on each day on set you're you're always like is this director really know me does he really you know can I really give everything over to this guy can I am I in good hands here because this is a really terrifying movie to be in and it's a smaller budget but every day he would gain my trust because he was so genuinely um, passionate and intelligent and would direct so well. He was also a very freeing director, not a controlling director. Mm-hmm. Um, and was very happy with everything that we were doing. And then he would just push us a little bit more to get what he wanted. So I never felt like I was being controlled and a lot of time on set. Like I think a bad director is a controlling director who doesn't trust his actors. Um, And I work with those a lot. And then you start to feel like you're a puppet and you're not even really an artist anymore, but it's a dialogue between the director and the actor and then the other actor and Thomas this being like like one of his first features it was truly incredible that way because he trusted us and so therefore we ended up trusting him. Yeah, and with with a very small crew and cast, you, yeah. you guys were able to make such a massive looking movie. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And yeah. look, Duncan Cole is the cinematographer. Oh my God. Yeah, I was yes. gonna say what's amazing are those wide angle shots throughout the film, not, not just the ones we see in the in the field, like you in the field, for example, which really stir up this like imagery of like a a nightmare mm-hmm. kind of like you know it's it's like whatever this, wherever this movie's going i already feel uneasy because 
It's like, why are you standing there? Why are you looking? Why are you? Yeah. Looking? And then, it was like I felt like it was like screenshotting a yes. nightmare. Yeah. Oh, you I know? love like these, that. Sh- these shots look like that. Yeah. There's, there's also that great scene with you and John in the kitchen. I believe you're discussing the last minute plans. Mm-hmm. And it's a wide angle shot from the point of view of the living room. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sits there for a while, and I'm like, that's wow, that's great. Yeah. Thomas was really intent on having that shot be one shot from like the hallway, kind of like this voyeuristic shot. Um, and Duncan Cole, uh, the cinematographer and Thomas, they would walk every location like they came to Natchez, Mississippi, like a week before any of the cast got there. And they walked every single location and came up with every single shot. They tested the daylight. They did everything. So to, to like by the time we got to set, it was all planned in this really beautiful way. And therefore, we just got to breathe with each other and act and live in the moment. It was never like there were never arguments about no this shot or that. It was like they knew what they wanted and it felt beautiful and it was still and you could feel the air and the magic in the air. And it was really incredible. That moment, one of my favorite shots on that note is uh, when you're on the road on your knees Mm. watching something very upsetting yeah. happen and it's all kind of slow motion it's got that nightmare feel to it and yeah. then just like just over your shoulder we see that creature and yep. it's just kind of wispy and wavy and it's just like oh my god this is beautiful was there a lot of choreography involved or was that vfx when that would happen how did that work that wasn't vfx wow. so we got we only got three takes to do that Oh, my God. And they had um, the seeker behind me. They had me in the road. They had me scream. And I think that was like the second or third take where the wind and like they had someone like like pull on the like fabric. Even the wind was practical. Like that was actually the wind was happening. And it all happened literally in that moment. And Thomas, once he got that shot, because that was something that was very important to him. He had like drawn it before, like a girl on her knees, like screaming with the creature seeker behind her. Once we got that shot and he saw it in the monitor, he broke down. And he started crying because he was like, I had no idea. Like, we don't need any VFX for that. I mean, it was amazing. Even the seeker, that's his voice. They pumped it up, obviously. No, they amped really? it up. They were going to get an uh, someone else to record the, the yeah. voice and, and dub it. And the guy playing the seeker on the day, the actor, he knew all of the lines and he was doing them all in this very creepy voice, like in my ear and behind me and to my face. And Thomas liked it so much and it was so good that they were just like, we're going to use his voice. And they just like over, over like amped it up or whatever. But that's really him. Oh my God. What was it like working with? I mean, that obviously a practical creature suit, right? It was terrifying. It was terrifying and it was so good and it looked so good. It looks extraordinary. Yeah. Um, And you know, his like, teeth were moving and they put like that stuff like inside of the the hood like yeah. where his teeth are so he's like you can see the like saliva yeah, yeah. kind of going and moving yeah. and the only thing that was VFX um, for him where there's like little sparks flying sometimes mm-hmm. and you can feel like the heat radiating off of him mm-hmm. yeah. but the rest of it was like totally practical and, so. and, and those moments where like you're in the house and it appears behind you but you're kind of you know not not aware of it and you carry on those moments are beautiful too is all that core you knew what was going to happen you knew where he'd be you knew where not to look 
Yes, I yeah. did know all of that. Also, unfortunately, the seeker could not see very well sure. <laughs> out of her, out of his like yeah. hood and ha- like face mask. Um, so yeah, all of that had to be like choreographed very intensely. Well, I know we've uh, gone over. Do you, is it okay if we keep you for another yeah. ten minutes? We've got a couple I more questions about that we've this. Gone over. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I feel like I just got in here. I know. Okay, I'm really curious about this. I don't think we've ever asked this before, but your relationship with who's behind the camera and, and the, the kind of eye of the camera. I mean, you have to have a connection with that person, I would imagine. And the, you know, the lens of the camera itself, what was the energy like between like, what energy were you getting from the cinematographer and uh, the director to facilitate what you were doing? Duncan Cole is from New Zealand and he's a cinematographer and he was a very calm, um, person which i respond really well to people who have like calm grounded energy um especially as an actor i don't like i can i can do it with like chaos right but i come i work from a place of calm um settled focused energy and then the chaos can occur out of that so it was really wonderful to have him be so calm and it became, it always becomes, when it's a good match, a dance. Yeah. So I know it's so interesting operating, like being emotionally invested and connected to the other actor, having like some, like the seeker come in behind me, but then also having this dance with the camera. I mean, I can mm. feel when I can hear even when it's zooming in. And so you kind of breathe with it and you realize, wow, the camera's getting closer to you. So then you can know sort of where that frame is and maybe my eyes will get bigger. My breath will get smaller because you know everything is so close and it becomes this really intimate, you know, beautiful dance. And it's something that like I was very excited to do this movie because that's also horror. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because you're very close to a person. You're very intent on their breathing. And, and like when I slow down, the audience's breath slows down or even speeds up depending on how scared they are. Exactly. But there's a real give and take there. And then Thomas, I knew that they were all behind the monitor, like watching. Sometimes Thomas, the director would be on set and he wouldn't even be near the monitor. He liked to watch it happen in real time. So he would be sort of off to the side watching us live in the room. It wasn't necessarily just about the shot. It was about what was occurring in the room between the people, which is something that I think is so important. Uh, I want to ask you about the, uh, the ritual symbols. Mm -hmm. Like is any of that rooted in actual, like real symbology or like incantations or something from some kind of practice? It is. So I, I know in the film they mentioned that it's Mesopotamian. Um, but I think that they did, like the props uh, art department did a lot of research. So all of those symbols were real symbols. Um, and so that's why we were getting a little freaked out <laughs> when yeah. we were drawing them all over sure. the floor. Yeah. Um, and also the woman that we rented the house from, she had just bought the home and didn't know that we were making like a, <laughs> oh, <laughs> a movie about, yeah, demon. a movie about <laughs> demons. Yeah, yeah, drawing yeah. all over her floor. And I remember one day she oh, came no. in to like visit to see like, wow. and everyone was like, don't let her walk by that room. Like, don't let her walk by that room right now. And she didn't see it. But yeah, they did a lot of, a lot of research. I mean, I'm not going to say her and vouch and say that every single one of those symbols was legitimate but I know that a lot of them were based in it and especially the ones that were focused on and they were up close like those are 
real things because they didn't want it to be in any way like fake. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've done some reading uh, on one ritual that this really comes close to. There was something that Aleister Crowley tried and it was called uh, the Abramelin ritual. So that's a ritual in ceremonial magic where you go through a process much, much like Cora, except in this one, it's six months. And the goal is to uh, converse with your holy guardian angel and uh, all this crazy stuff. Apparently there's, there's journals of people who've done it. Some of them go crazy because it apparently gives you command over magical symbols yeah. and all this stuff that you don't, you don't want to mess with. But there is definitely there's truths to that stuff that is terrifying. And that's a layer and another layer just, to, you know, knowing about that, that makes this movie even more intense and scary yeah. because there is a side to that part that was based in in some sort of reality mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like superstitious about it and be like hey we gotta yeah. find some kind of protection so that yeah we don't take this home and no hitchhiker effect <laughs> well i was i didn't sleep that much sure when i shot this movie to be honest i mean i don't know if you've ever been to like natchez mississippi it's got a haunted vibe uh, yeah, about well, it it's it's captured at the whole beginning of yes. the movie right yes, you see all those yes. Scenes. at least i wasn't living where John Ailes was living, who played Abel. So they offered us a couple Airbnbs. Okay. And I was in this little tiny southern house across the street from the production house by myself, which I would hear weird things at night. And I would be in bed and I would be like, "I'm. this is it. Like, I'm <laughs> just, this is it. They're coming for me. I shouldn't be doing this. But John Ailes, they were like, so it's a really cute little place. It is right directly across the street from one of the oldest graveyards in America. Whoa. And he ended up taking the place and he would walk through the graveyard all the time. Like he would go, he would walk through and I went and visited and there's actually a very famous grave there um, about, it's a little girl's grave and it's old and people go visit it. And her mother knew she was scared of thunderstorms. So her mother built stairs going down to the grave and put a window in the grave so the mom would come and sit with an umbrella every time it rained to be with her daughter who had passed. So I would go and visit that grave as well because it was about a mother's love yeah. for her child who had passed. Um, so there was something really like beautiful and haunting and special about that. <laughs> that's like the there. saddest most saddest beautiful thing yes. i've ever heard yeah wow. yeah yeah it was very overwhelming to see and you know i would sit there and and think about the mother sitting there and missing her yeah her daughter and yeah. it was also feeding me for the film yeah so i'm glad i wasn't living across the street from right it. exactly exactly <laughs> but, but you were accessing that yeah yeah that's a, that's another thing to, to note about this film is that it is as scary and sad and horrifying as it is it is beautiful at the same time, yeah. mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. interesting. I think that that quote at the beginning of the movie kind of sums it up. And it's actually, the, it's interesting because the, the quote at the movie is the first part of the quote. And the quote is from a Star Wars book. And it says, uh, the dark is generous, it's patient, and it always wins. Mm-hmm. That's how the movie opens. What do you feel that that means in terms of Cora in her trajectory? What do you think that means to her? Well, Cora is a fuck up. And she's messed up a lot. And the end of the movie, without giving anything away, she messes up the ritual, even. She can't even do that right. Right. And she doesn't 
get a happy ending in this film. And I think we leave it very open ended, but it does tie into the beginning with the quote because she's not a perfect person. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of the time you do not get your happy ending. Right. And, um, I hope that she's learned a, a lesson in the, in the film. I also think that it even leaves it open to does grief just make you go insane? Did any of this really happen? Sure. Did all of the things that she did to screw up her life contribute to her actually losing her son and her mind? Yeah. So I think it's a open-ended, mm. you know, something for an audience to see and, and to discuss. Yeah, after. definitely. I, I think Thomas, that smart dude, put a little Easter egg in that for us. Because he left out the end of the quote. And what the end of the quote is crazy. The full quote reads as follows. The darkness is generous, it is patient, and it always wins. But in the heart of its strength lies its weakness. One lone candle is enough to hold it back. Love is more than a candle. Love can ignite the stars. That's the full quote. And it just gives such wow. resolution to everything. I just got chills. <laughs> right, right. I just got chills. I, I just feel got like chills. He, I feel like he did that on purpose. Yeah. He had to have. He yeah. had to have. I've never known that. This is beautiful. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> oh my God. That that is that is the film. Yeah. That he left out that ending part. Yeah, that's like, what that I, that's literally what I think. is the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh this my dude is God. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, Thomas is so, so smart. He definitely did that on purpose. But I just can't believe that I didn't know that until this moment. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> Luigi Jansen, the composer on this thing. Mm -hmm. Every review that I've read from early screenings, everybody's freaking out yeah. about the music and they are right. Yep. Mm -hmm. I have a favorite scene. Ooh, tell me. The one where you're going upstairs to the bedroom and we hear this like this horrible dissonant strings yeah. just like, oh my God, there's so much tension. This, the, Luigi's a master at creating tension. It's It's insane. And then when you get into the room, this beautiful piano piece starts playing. Mm. And that's, again, that that kind of polarity of this sad, tragic horror and this beautiful, you know, darkness and yeah. this exploration of grief clashes and, and, and comes together with this music. Did you have any moments watching the movie afterwards with this beautiful score where you were surprised or just ignited by what was elevated? Oh, of course I did. Um, yeah, he's insanely talented. And also Thomas was sitting with him while they were scoring it. Oh, so he had a wow. lot to do with every moment, every beat. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the moments that really gets to me um, is when my son is running towards me in that kind of fantasy yes. sequence. Right. And um, the music is coming to this crescendo of pain and sadness and anger and frustration in this very and then you see like the shot we were talking about where you see the seeker behind me mm -hmm. it just makes my heart just swell and burn in this really painful way so um i think that they really i mean elevated the movie i mean everything the the cinematography the music all of it just really comes together in this like very poetic horrible way yeah. i mean you know like the dichotomy of that is really cool i was curious about the levitation scene oh, oh. okay well, how was that go there 
That was fun. So um, I asked him that too when I first met with him on Zoom. So it was practical. So they built what? an entire um, like a rig. A rig. Yeah. They built a rig. Oh, wow. Um, and one of our producers had worked with a circus before, so he knew all about oh. this stuff. So I had a harness on, and I had harnessed before. I got I was in True Blood once, where Eric like was holding me up by the neck, so I knew how the harness thing went. But when it's in the middle of your of your stomach, it's like you got to keep your abs tight, or sure. your back will like go so they they filmed it practically i got to put on some music that i like to like zone out to so and they did like a couple of shots of that i actually didn't have to fall they put um a man in my white dress so when you see so when you see it fall after i've been levitating like the body hits the body hits the floor um it's not me it's our producer who's one of our circus producers um so yeah no it was real it was real i was really floating there so it was really oh and also crazy story so um back in 2014 i had had this dream about um a girl levitating in a white dress with dark hair whoa and i went on like the internet to find like a photo or a painting or something that like reminded me of my dream and i had screenshotted it Flash forward to when I'm shooting this movie and I'm like wearing the white dress and I've dyed my hair dark for this film. And I go, I've dreamt this before. I've dreamt this before. And I go, oh my God, no, I actually did. I went on my phone. I scrolled back, found the actual photo of the girl in the white dress levitating with dark hair. And it was 2014. And that was the same year that Thomas, the director, had been stabbed. No And changed his entire career path. Oh, shit. Isn't that wild? That's extraordinary. Wow. It's so, so I felt as if I was in the right place. Of course. And it gives me chills to this day. Yeah. It was crazy. What parts of Cora do you think you took with you? Ooh, okay. Um, well, the reason why I was attracted to playing Cora is because, you know, she always feels like she's got a lot to prove to people um, and that she's never enough. And she puts up walls um, and I identify a lot with that. Um, I think that I'm always trying to prove or having to prove to people that I'm, you know, it's so nice sitting here and you like listing all my credits off and all these things. And it's like so lovely to hear that. But I do feel like I still have to prove myself to this industry and to Hollywood a lot and that. I have a lot more to show and that sometimes people write me off as being like, oh, the uptight girl from Pitch Perfect who puked. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that was just a job that I auditioned for that I got. And now it sort of became my identity sure, as an actress. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Cora and I, the reason why she hit hard is because she feels like she's not enough. And um, sometimes I feel that way too. So... <laughs> And um, I'm just hopeful that I'll be stronger because of this film. And I'm also hopeful that people will see it and they'll go like what you said, like, I didn't even recognize you, you know, and that is that's the biggest compliment I could have gotten because I'm trying so hard to show that I'm so much more than what people think. Beautifully said. 
Yeah. Leo, anything to add or we're wrapping up? We yeah, I was just going to say, uh, make sure you do it in horror going forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take more so Take good more in the genre. Take more names. <laughs> okay, I love horror. Keep going. I would love it. I love it. More horror. Bring it on. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anna, uh, I mean, God, thank you and yes. uh, your entire team. I mean, so much for being yeah. so generous with your time and for your tremendous work on this film and for continuing to inspire and entertain us in ways that truly are profound and stick with us forever. It's appreciated uh, more than you'll ever know. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure talking with you guys. I'm excited for everyone to see the movie. Hell yeah. Everybody see it. It's incredible. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 381. Isn't she spectacular? Special thanks to our guest, Anna Camp. Go see all her stuff. If you haven't seen that creep show, holiday episode you gotta you gotta watch that as well at time of release see from black exclusively on shutter and amc plus friday april 28th production tracks for this one provided by the good folks at power man 5000 till next time for myself trevor lauren and leo it is the boo crew saying sweet screams thanks for listening to another episode of the boo crew podcast haunt the boo crew at tales from the boo crew.com tales from the boo crew on facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Moo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com/podcasts. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.